1: Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arsblog ArsCast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. I am exasperated. Yep. I've got it up to here. And if you could see me right now, you would see that my hand is not at like eye level or the top of my head. It's like it's as high above my head as I can make my hand go. My arm doesn't stretch up as far as it should because I had a shoulder injury a few few months back. Actually, quite a while ago. I was playing in goal, playing 11-a-side in goal, and I made a quite spectacular save. It was brilliant, but somehow did something to my uh, right shoulder, so it's still a bit stiff and achy, and it could be just me getting old. But anyway, I've been trying stuff, as you know, over the weeks uh, to fix some audio issues that I've been having, and I noticed with the mixing desk that I use that there was a little bit of a problem with a couple of the couple of the faders on it. So when you put them up, they would make these crackling noises, and I thought, well, maybe that's what the problem is. Maybe that's the whole fucking thing. After everything I've tried, maybe that's what it is. So I got a new mixing desk, and I plugged it in, set it up exactly the way it should be, all the cables going into the, the right spots, and it just uh, wasn't working. wasn't working. I was trying to connect to my guest this evening, the man from East Laura, as you'll hear a bit later on. I was trying to connect to him, and just nothing was happening. It just wouldn't work. Couldn't record anything. I could hear him, and he couldn't hear me, or he could hear me, and I couldn't hear him. It was all crazy and annoying and what have you. But there you go. I'm going to I'm gonna keep trucking on with this thing. I've gone back to the old mixing desk, and I'm looking at the new one going, Pff, right. got to go back to the shop with this, I guess. I don't know. I know there are worse problems in the world. I'm just saying that when you're used to things being a certain way and everything's working okay, you know, for me, it's frustration as well, because I kind of know better. Whenever I try and improve something, this um, this is true throughout my life, really. Whenever I try and improve something, it nearly always goes wrong first. Inevitably, I find a way around it or just go back to the old thing, but... Nothing ever fucking works the first time. I love technology and stuff, but just work. Like, I just want to plug stuff in and for it to work the way that I want it to. Are we going to get to a point where technology at some time in the future is so advanced and that we're all in tune with our smartwatches and brain implants and chips and all that kind of stuff that when you you get something, you just plug it in and you think about the way you want it to work and it just works that way. Can somebody please do that? Fucking Apple and Twitter and Facebook and Microsoft, maybe if you put as much effort into, like, inventing shit as you do into, like, not paying tax, you fuckers, we'd all have better stuff going on and I wouldn't have these issues. But look, let's not dwell on the misery and the unhappiness, because there's still happiness to be had somewhere, probably not necessarily in relation to Arsenal, unless, no... So probably not, but look, it's uh, its a Friday or whenever it is that you're listening to this, it's an RS cast. Uh, we're getting ready for a game against Crystal Palace this weekend. And uh, on the show, I'm going to be chatting to the man from East Laura, as I said, but also I'm going to be chatting to Ted Knutsen, who is the founder of StatsBomb, to talk about stats and data in football. And we can see that it is having an increasing effect on the way people think about the game, the way they write about the game. And, of course, it's having an effect on the way that managers and coaches and football clubs view the game, both in terms of how they play, how they scout players, how they decide to, to buy players. Um, So we're going to chat about that stuff and expected goals and all that kind of jazz. That's going to be going on. What else is going to be going on? I don't know. I don't know. I'm still enjoying, it's Thursday evening, I'm still enjoying the Barcelona exit from the Champions League last night. I really, really enjoyed the shit out of that. Football this season has not given us too many moments of joy. The moments of joy that we have had have been short-lived or wrapped in sort of taco shell of shit that the rest of the season has become, but it was really great to watch them lose. And you can say, hey, you're a small, petty man, and you hold grudges. And I'll say, yes, I am. But then I don't really get the idea that we should only be able to enjoy or get joy from our own football team, you see? There are people who will say, well, what are you laughing at Barcelona for? Arsenal or shit. Okay, yeah, good. I've come to terms with that bit, but I can still laugh at them. Their faces when they didn't get that penalty. It was amazing. They couldn't believe it because that doesn't happen to Barcelona. They get the penalties. They get the penalties when they want the penalties. And in fairness, it was a penalty, which made them not getting it even more funny. And it made their exit from the competition even more funnier than funny, you see? So I, I, I'm, I'm living vicariously through the misery of others, the schadenfreude, the whole lot of it. I'm, that's where I am with this season. I don't see anything particularly joyous about where we are and what we've done and what we haven't done. So what else are you supposed to do? Can't just down tools. People need a little break. They need something to distract them from the real world. And if that means the other people's sadness and misery is my joy, well, hey, give me a great big goblet full of their misery because I'll drink it all down and then I'll have another and another and another and probably another and then I'll stand on a table and sing a song and then I'll get thrown out of the misery bar, but I won't care because I'll be drunk on their tears. So look... (sighs) I'm going to get on with this first bit before, uh, before I talk too much here. Give too much of myself away. So when I called up the man from East Lower a bit earlier on, I was trying to use the thing that I record the Arsecast Extra with James on. Didn't work. Then Skype didn't work. Then Skype half worked. Then it was only recording in one side and it wasn't recording. And then, well, I don't know. Something happened. I don't even remember what. And it, it worked again. So let's do it. Let's chat with the man from uh, East Lower. Is this on audio- Oh, oh, okay. I have some progress here. Give me a one-two. A one-two. Oh, yes. I've done it.
2: What exactly have you done? I don't know. Uh, are we going to go back onto IP TV Link Plus?
1: No, we're not. We're going to stay oh, okay. on here. All right. We're going to stay on here. Oh, very good. Yeah. Jesus. I think I should probably include this bit in the podcast.
2: <laughs> Just well, the to... bit of me the bit of me whistling...
1: Yeah, that bit. Not that, not that bit. No, I think I think I'm going to leave this in, because just to give people a taste, because I'm I'm going to talk about this at some point in the start of the podcast. My, all, my audio issues. You have been very patient. Twenty five minutes sitting here in the dark in my pants. Fuck! It is twenty five minutes as well. I do apologise.
2: In my pants. Luckily, I do have a bottle of not a bottle, a can of beer. So that's all right. I don't
1: even have anything. Well. I think we should put it on pause while you're gonna get something. You sound like a man tormented. I think that's a good idea. Hang on. I'm I'm actually gonna go downstairs and get a beer and, and uh I think I deserve it after all this. Back in like so. thirty seconds. Alright. No whistling. go. I have a beer now. Oh, this is good. <clears throat> yeah. So I've got audio woes as well as defensive woes and football woes. Oh, I've got them all. Too many woes. <laughs> Alex a woe. Alex a woes B, yes. He woes B. Yeah. Any others? Audio, audio woe A. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, look, here's um, here's to you. Thank you for being so patient. Should we talk about some football now or something? Oh God! Do we have to? It, it feels like it's um, it's the it's what <laughs> we're here for. Here? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't just here to hear you whistle Phil Collins down a headset at me. I really wasn't.
2: You're, you're lucky I didn't warble whistle. That's my pièce de résistance.
1: Oh really? How many beers do you have to have to make that happen? Oh, at least four. At least, okay. Well, there's no danger of you slugging four beers before no. before Not the. Whatsoever. No. All right. So, um, well, how how are you? How are you? How are you? I'm very well. Excellent. I, I am I am actually quite well.
2: Yeah. You know. For a man who's been sitting here for 25 minutes. <laughs> in your 20,
1: pants. In my pants. Yeah, very well. H- how are you? I am, well, yeah, I, I'm fine, generally speaking. I guess this is what you would consider a first world problem. Yeah. Issues that I've been having, but. Mm, a man wanted more knobs than he had. Yeah. Knobs don't work. Yeah. <laughs> Problems. Yes, they really are problems. I don't understand why technology does that to me. Why it can't just fucking work. Like, you, you plug it all in, and it's it should be the same, and every, all the bits go in the other bits, and then there's something wrong. There's like this little bit of a high-pitched noise in the background, and then when you try and connect things, why doesn't it just work? I think that's Michael Owen you're talking about there, isn't it? Which... The high-pitched noise in the background. Yeah. He's found me <laughs> <laughs> for making up. Actually, did you see the thing we did on Arse Blog News, the, the wisdom of Michael Owen, the various made-up quotes that we did? <laughs> I did, yeah. The, the Telegraph, in their men section, which I guess is in the lifestyle part of their uh, website, uh, they, they put together a little compilation of the, the weirdest and wonderfulest things that Michael Owen has said. And interspersed amongst the ones that he actually did say were quite a number of the ones that we made up. (laughs) (laughs) And Michael Owen, I believe, is getting quite cheesed off about this.
2: Oh, is he? Yeah. Well, that can
1: only be a good thing.
2: Yeah.
1: We might take the hint. Well, I shouldn't think so, no. not. Oh, well, I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it too. I doubt it too. So look, football. How are you feeling about football?
2: Do you know, uh, I... I almost feel like like it's the summer. It's, it's it's weird. I I sort of I think giving up is a strong word, but I sort of switched off a bit and um it does feel a bit like the close season to me. Mm. Sort of one eye on it, stuff happening and you think oh X has scored or X as Y, or Y has scored. But um I really do I've definitely got like only quarter of an eye on it at the moment It it just feels like it's pretty much done. And so, we could get on with our summer and watch a bit of cricket. Yeah, well,
1: what what was the point at which you I won't say gave up but switched off? What was that?
2: Ew, my alarm bells rang at the four nil at Southampton, just because of the nature of it and the scoreline. I mean, mm. but that was a long time ago. And then I suppose the Swansea at home was where pretty much I could I could hear the the nails being hammered into the coffin the at fat, that point the, the fat lady was... was singing at that point wasn't <laughs> <Yeah>. she <laughs> she'd lost her voice yeah. I mean she'd been it... singing all I can see was at that point I thought basically the season's over and I, I will be making acquaintance with the ticket exchange uh, on, on frequent with great frequency um, it was after that really I I, th- I sort of thought well that's that because I don't think it's going to happen now I mean obviously the mathematical possibility is always there and, and God bless maths but um, but no, uh, I think that was it, mm. and then I had a few a few good performances since. A, l- a little you know upturn in terms of the the way we're playing but but by and large, it feels like it's over to me, and um whilst I would love to see that come back and bite me in the in the ass it, it, i mean it's not is it so no. <laughs> it, I, it feels like it's done and and, and it's kind of the point' sort like you go to I'll go to the game on the weekend, but I haven't been to a couple recently, and I'll go and have a bit of fun and you know. But that's it, really. It, it, you know, I don't really know what what more to say. <laughs> what
1: yeah, well, about you? I, well, look, I'm in. I'm in fucking 100 percent here. Um, <laughs> what can you do but kind of carry on with it? But yeah, I don't know. You're not the first person to have mentioned that. You know, this is yeah. It's sort of it's drifting away from them, or their interest in it is waning. I think would uh, be a good way. I know, and
2: it. I know you know uh, one person who's um who uh, who's you know been going 25 years and has pretty much put every single ticket on the ticket exchange since christmas well not maybe not quite since christmas but mm. it's the end of jan and uh, i think i think that kind of whilst might not be uh it might be good for the people that can't normally go so you could look at it with a positive light but i think a lot of people are feeling that yeah we've been here we've seen it before and it's happened again mm. and uh, let's just kind of um get on with it and and just pretend
1: it's not happening. I suppose, <laughs> especially because of the nature of the of of what is actually happening. Yes, but what 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 happens then? I mean, does the summer watching cricket and sitting in your hammock drinking pina coladas does that perform a sort of men in black pen trick on you? And you come back in August and go, yeah. I, mean, I always what- think. I always think. You know. Oh God, it's
2: just about time to get the season over because you know it hasn't quite gone to plan. Um, And then within a few days, I'm like, I'm bored. You know, so I can't, come on, bring it back now. But um, I don't remember being, I I mean, last summer I kind of thought, yeah, FA Cup, kick on, third place, we're going to sign loads of players. And we didn't. So I don't know. I I would like to, uh, what happens this summer? I don't know, because I would like the narrative to change a little bit somehow. But um, a a lot of it is a bit ingrained now, and I'm not sure what it would take for to get people sort of peeling themselves off the pavement.
1: Oh yeah. But when you say you want, well, you would like the narrative to change, what does yeah. that mean that you would well, like the manager to change or the manager to be changed? I, I would take
2: one or the other at the moment. <laughs> if I'm honest, um, I would lo- I mean, we've been saying it for years. I'm pretty sure I've said it about 15 times on, on here before. I'd love Wenger to have a a change of approach and to try something a bit different. And but it's not going to happen, I don't think. And uh, I think, I think, like lots of Arsenal fans, I'm absolutely torn between my massive respect for Wenger and what he's achieved, and make no bones about it, he'll go down as you know pretty much the best manager in the modern era. But um, on the other hand, I think I'd like some someone new motivation, some a new approach. Yeah, I just think we need it. Yeah. And and I don't think it's going to come from him, much as I you know. Hate to say it, but and I, and I think it is time for a change. But whether that happens is really is one of the things that, again, most of us doubt. But uh, yeah. I, I think 20, 20 years at the top in any
1: profession is amazing. But I think it's probably time for a change. Yeah. But again, we come back to the issue that it's not going to happen. Well, you say that. I mean, and, and you're probably right. Uh, the the amount of times
2: he says I honour my contract, which is an admirable thing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um. And and all all signs would point to that. But on the other hand, I occasionally think, well, how would he manage his exit? Would he just go to the end of the contract like he did last time and say, I'll talk about my contract in the summer. I'll concentrate on that, and then just not do it? Uh, I don't think he'll do what Ferguson did and and announce it in advance. I really don't think that would happen. Mm-hmm. So I suppose there's a small percentage point where he might think it's time. It doesn't really feel like that's coming to me, but um, it, it, I mean, it's not impossible, is it? That he might say, time for someone else. <laughs> I, mean, I think it probably isn't going to happen.
1: No, I don't think that's going to happen, not this summer. No. Uh, no. The, the end of the contract certainly might be a time, depending on how things are going at that point. Um, well, that's the thing you, you can
2: only ever say what you feel at the time, based on what's actually happening at the time, and it's, yeah. it's, that's the weird thing about it, isn't it? So we, it it could it could be that you know it could be that um, that things get worse or things get better and people's perceptions change slightly. But I just I just feel anything short of a proper title challenge this year, which hasn't really materialised um, is going to leave a sour taste, a taste in people's mouths. And, and I'm not sure what it would take to turn, any, you know, to turn a lot of Arsenal fans back towards being positive about, um, about Wenger. And, and that's a shame. It's really sad.
1: Yeah. No, it is true. I mean, it's, it's, it's so far gone that the, you know people are saying, or had said when we were in a, a reasonable position this season, that even if we won the league, they would want a new manager which you know in itself is is oxymoronic the 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 right word there i'm not sure what it is but you want to bring in somebody to do what the man that you want to leave just did if that makes sense yeah
2: i mean that's i think i, I find that completely bonkers yeah I mean, but it, i mean that's if you win I the mean, title
1: you, you you deserve to stay irrespective
2: of how you do it because that's the, yeah. that's the big achievement because, yeah but uh,
1: uh, but does that not speak to something that's really ingrained that for all the uh, the admirable qualities there are of staying for twenty years. There is another thing that after twenty years, familiarity breeds a certain contempt, if you like.
2: Yeah, and that's what he's fighting against. Yeah. You know, that, that's what he's up against, and he he must know it. And um and the th- everything that happens every year. Yes, we won two FA Cups. Brilliant. And, and um uh, and you can't. Know, know, no, no, most teams would would uh, would kill for that. Most big teams would kill for that. But the thing is, all the other things, weaknesses that, that sort of emerge at various points of the season and in greater or lesser degrees have happened again. And that's the thing that really, really frustrates is, is that it just keeps happening and nothing changes.
1: Mm. Yeah. And a 65-year-old leopard very rarely changes its spots. Yeah, that's right.
2: Mm. And, um, and, of course, I would love, love nothing more. Than for him to pull something a massive rabbit out the bag out the hat I beg your pardon mixing my metaphors there but it doesn't feel likely um, and I'm not sure what it would take in the summer let's assume he stays because I think he will yeah but I'm not sure what it would take to um, other than three or four absolutely top pivotal, drawer yeah piv- top drawer pivotal signings and a and a and a big refresh um, you, know, ha, ha, you know maybe of of the squad. That might, that might signal some intent and people go away for a few months, watch a bit of cricket, and, mm. uh, and then ke- come back refreshed. I'm sure I'll be refreshed by then. But at sure. the moment, I'm kind of I'm,
1: I'm flat about it, as, um, as I'm sure everyone else is. Yeah, you can tell. I mean, there is a flatness to everything. I mean, I, I think it would take, for some people anyway, it would take Wenger sacrificing one of the players in Wicker Man or Lord of the Rings style to show that he's really serious about <laughs> doing something different you know a pyre of some kind some gigantic <laughs> thing where there's you know naked dancing a ritual and all of a sudden one of these uh serial underperformers is well condemned to a fairly horrendous death but <laughs> that's one way of putting it i mean you could just sell them but um
2: yeah but you know this anyone could do that yeah, I suppose so. So the naked dancing's
1: back on the board. In which case, it makes it something quite interesting. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm quite positive again already. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You, you, one crispy, charred ex-Arsenal player is the guy that sparks us uh, back into life. So, you know, we still do have, whatever, five games, six games left? Six for us, yeah. Six games for us. So Palace West Brom, Sunderland, Norwich. You're looking at those four games as, well, Arsenal should win those four games. They should. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of should though we should do a lot of things Arsenal yeah. should do a lot of stuff and don't do it
2: no that's right and uh, you know the last time we were at home uh, well we we did beat we thrashed Watford and that's the kind of thing that we'd be looking for those kind of performances but mm. um, uh, you know four thrashings at home would be great but it wouldn't still feel unless you know barring some kind of uh, strange miracle that that won't be enough anyway yeah. so yeah um, and also, then there's the kind of spectre of the Swansea at home result, which we're always capable of, <laughs> just when you least want it. So, and also, who is it? Norwich, desperate, fighting for their lives. I mean, you know, anything can happen at this stage of the season. Um, but I would expect, I would expect to get good results in all of those. Yeah, you
1: would. You would. Especially the Villa game. <laughs> it would be just the most Arsenal thing of all time. That's you my
2: three-point the... home banker. That one. Oh That's yeah. What... That's yeah.
1: the one I'm hoping for the three points. Right, you're, you're, you're not going to put your tickets on ticket exchange for that one. You're going along for the...
2: No, I'm not going along for that because I think, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm genuinely not going to that one, but that's right. because I'm doing something else. But um, it's kind of hard when you go from lap of honour to lap of appreciation to lap of weary resignation, and I'm not sure quite how they're going to pitch that one. And the marketing team will be no doubt be working
1: overdrive to, to sell that as, a, as an exciting... Well, you know what they should do? You know what they should do is if they're really serious about marketing and catching the public eye and getting in on the zeitgeist and all that, what they should do is strip all the players and get this really stern-looking nun to walk them around the pitch going, shame, shame, <laughs> uh, ringing a bell like Game of Thrones. And we get to throw tomatoes. Yeah, we get to throw yeah tomatoes, soft fruits, I think, no, no pineapples. That wouldn't get past the health and safety executive. That yeah, I, right. I, I that would. would be yeah, soft. yeah, pineapple. Could you imagine like hitting somebody in the face with a pineapple? It'd be really sore. It would. Yeah. It so would. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that soft fruits and possibly some eggs. You know, they're, they drip and you know they do what they do. So that's that's the that's where the lap is, from weary resignation to the walk of shame. I mm. think. Uh, I don't think anyone could argue with that. At least of all the players it is funny though isn't it because
2: although they've yet again done what we expected sort of deep down expected that they might do the the kind of notion of it of it being a lap of shame we're still up there third and fourth which is kind of it's the the classic thing isn't it where (laughs) you you kind of talk to a lot of other fans of other clubs and you're tearing your hair out and they say god you know you're so you're so up your own ass you come third or fourth every year that's brilliant but it's 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 there's something more to it than that isn't there there's the, the fact that you should be going higher than that, but um, yeah, it's the context. Third, third or fourth is is exactly why Wenger's still in the job because he still pulls it out the hat. pulls it out that he pulls that out the out the hat every time, mm. and, and that in itself, you know, is why he keeps his job because
1: he's consistent. Mm. But it's just not enough. He needs to be more consistent. Er needs to add more consistency to his consistency. I think it needs to be less gloopy. Uh, and, oh, I yeah, a bit, bit more, bit more, vi- bit more viscous. Is that what you're saying? Bit less viscous. Less viscous and more like slime. It's sort of sloppier, I'd say. Right. Uh, Do you maybe. remember that stuff you used to get? Did you ever get that? You get like a tub of slime. As was that a the kid. stuff that you'd
2: stick on the wall and it would slowly
1: roll yeah, down? Yeah. 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 I used to love that stuff. Yeah, that was great. I remember leaving it overnight on my mother's um, dining room table, and <laughs> uh, it stripped whatever varnish was on the wood. And the table was never the same again. No,
2: and and uh, and you did you learn your lesson? I mean, that's that's the main question out of this. I I have or did never you keep doing the same thing again and again <laughs> and again, hoping it would be different.
1: Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't slime another table. I learned. I learned. So are you? Are you all in on Lester? I would love to. I'd love to see them do it.
2: I really would. I'd love to see them do it because well the alternative is too hard to com- <laughs> it's too, too hard to comprehend and um and apart from that you know yeah you know the fact we're 13 points behind so so are, you know chelsea and man city and man U are behind us and liverpool the fa- it's just the most unprecedented thing and it it probably won't ever happen again and, and i just think it is a breath of fresh air and they i know for the fact they've only lost three games they're really hard to beat they've got two of the or three of the greatest uh Performances of the season in you know in their three key players is is uh it's a story worth getting behind even if you don't always like some of the way they do it mm. I think I think I'd I'd love them to do it but I have to say you know that if I was a Leicester fan now I'd be shitting it, it? I would because I'd be you look at their fixtures and they're not easy and the pressure is really going to hit and I I kind of feel there's going to be a twist I don't know what that twist is going to be I don't think it'll involve us I'm being honest yeah but. But um, I
1: think there will be a few twists yet. So who, who? Oh yeah, they've got West Ham, Swansea. So West Ham and Swansea at home. Then they yeah. travel to Manchester United. Then they've got Everton at home, and then Chelsea yeah. on the final day. Those last three games are tough. And um, well, West Ham is
2: tough as well. Yeah, yeah. And whilst they don't show any sign of of buckling, and the fact that, like I said, they've only lost three times is phenomenal. It's probably not likely, but it would throw the cat amongst the pigeons, and uh, yeah. you just don't know do you, because uh, they've not been in this position before, so no we'll see
1: yeah, the alternative, as you say is just uh it's just horrendous, isn't it it doesn't bear thinking about uh, you know it really doesn't so mm-hmm. let's let's just not talk Let, about let's just not talk about we should we talk about slime or gloop or. Anything else? Slime
2: or gloop or shrinky dinks. Do you remember those? You used to get them in shreddies packets and you put them in the oven and they'd sort of shrink and you'd paint them or something. Shrinky dinks? Do you not remember those? No. Maybe I've got this completely wrong.
1: I do like shreddies though. They were good. They, they are good. Yeah. But I can't, I can't, um, I've got a thing with malt that thankfully doesn't um, affect me with beer. Uh, but, but things that are overly malty, I, I find they upset my stomach. What, like whiskey? No. Not that one. Not that one. Like yeah. Different different drinks with malt in them. Like malty milkshakes and that kind of stuff. And Shreddies. Yeah. Shred- shreddies. Yeah. Oh that's a shame. Yeah. Right. I know yeah. Up there with the best of the cereals.
2: I think they they they're good cereals because they you know they sort of fill you up. They're not too sugary. They have got a nice shape to them. They I do. Think we can don't all get they? behind Shreddies.
1: Yeah, those that nice lattice shape. Is uh is is very good. It is. It is. Next week, Weetabix. What do you think of Weetabix? I am indifferent to
2: Weetabix. You've got to eat them really fast. Do you or, eat? Them, do you
1: do you eat them with a hot milk or cold? Cold, but you, if you let them go too soggy, it's, it's gone. The moment's gone. No, oh, see, I can't eat Weetabix with cold milk. Just can't do it. It's always got to be hot milk. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, We've no. got
2: three months three months on cereal. You realise that? Yeah. Four uh, months on cereal. Okay.
1: Well, you know, I know people who used to have, like, Rice Krispies with hot milk. Yeah, that's odd. Yeah. I don't know where those people are now. I presume on an island somewhere. Somewhere. Probably on a hot island. Yeah. So where? what are you thinking then for the weekend, this game? Crystal Palace. Uh, return to the Emirates for uh, a good friend. Manuel Adebayor. Oh, I thought you were going to say Alan Pardew. No, he's um, yeah. Well, him too, I guess. Is is Adebayor and Shamak presumably? Is he still there? What's going on with Shamak? Uh, I, I i The last I saw, he had really fucking terrible hair. Well, that hasn't changed much. But he, I don't think he's even playing, is he? I don't think he is. I look at their squad for the last game. No. No, he's he's not been there. I think he could be injured or out of favour or something. When is the last time he's played? Oh, It's been a long time. There's people like Connor Wickham playing, and he's not playing. Going back to January here. Yeah, he played in January at some point in the FA Cup. Okay, well, I mean, I think given that they're in the FA Cup the week
2: after, and... Um... Oh, and we reckon they to could play for all three points because they're, they're probably going to want to they've got one eye on that right yeah they're going to do like a Watford yeah, yeah i think i think we can t- safely say that uh, that we've got a good chance of winning on sunday i think they're out of the out of the danger zone in the premier
1: league they've got an FA cup semi final
2: yeah so yeah you know you've got to <laughs> you got to say that we should get out three points at that one
1: they're 11 points clear of the uh, yeah. the relegation zone so yeah. chances are like, that they're, they're not going down. Yeah, right. Okay, well, look, we'll hope that uh, we can have a, a slimy, gloopy, not-so-viscous win on Sunday and um, see where the rest of this flat season takes us. <laughs> where, where, where do you think we'll end up? Third, maybe. Third. Man City sure. only two points behind us.
2: Would you consider, his, if we come third, mm. I know we have, won't win the FA Cup this year. but If we come third, which is consistent, mm-hmm. do you consider it a failure, a season that's where we've regressed? Yeah, yeah. I think you'd have to say that when you, given some of the players have had very poor seasons, one or two bright sparks. Don't get me
1: wrong, but it's uh, weird. I mean, you look at you look at uh, who scored the most goals. We've scored fifty-five goals. Tottenham have scored sixty. Man City have scored 58 and Leicester have scored 57. So So we're not doing too badly. So we're not doing too badly in the goal score, even though we could easily have scored many more goals. And in terms of goals against, Leicester have got 31, Tottenham 25, Arsenal 33, Man City 33, Man United 30. You know, so we're not any worse really than, than anyone else. We're just kind of worse than ourselves, if that makes any kind of sense.
2: Yeah, it, it feels like we've haven't really gone anywhere. You know, it was a, a bright, a bright period mixed with cloud and rain. I mean, it really does feel like it's gone all over the place this season. And and it's been some great early football and some quite exciting late football. But a lot of the st- a lot of the stuff that, that we've watched, even if we've been winning, it's been quite hard to watch. Mm. I have found you know not not exciting, no. not not the kind of stuff that gets you going um and
1: so it's been a really odd season it feels for, like in a way that we're sort of running up a down escalator
2: yeah i suppose it, it certainly it, it does a bit where the, the, we've we've worked very hard to get average results at times Yeah. And, um
1: and then we go Yeah and exactly you know, and then and then, and then just, 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 you know we're yeah. running to stand still at times i guess yeah. It, it,
2: it is odd. It's been a very odd season and, um, and you can really, you I mean you can see why the pressure's on Wenger more than it ever has been really just because so much is not quite right, mm. but frustratingly so much is also not quite wrong. You think you yeah. should be doing a lot better with this world <laughs> and, and if only you did this and if only, uh, you know, it's frustrating, isn't it? But, um, yeah, I yeah. think we'll come third or fourth as well. Yeah. And, uh,
1: And there you go. And there we go. We pick it up from next season.
2: Exactly. Do it all again. Exactly. (laughs) I think an an early signing, preferably around the time that they ask us to cough up for our season tickets, would be, uh, I think, you know, would be nice. When's that? That's in May, though, isn't it? They usually usually send it out roughly about... two and a half seconds after the last uh, the, the final whistle cool. <laughs> 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 or maybe a bit before no it's it's, it's pretty prompt because mm. uh, they always ask you to pay it by the end of May yeah well you know it's coming you know it's coming I do and the funny thing is you know some people are saying oh, I'll give up my season no one I, I I would never give my season to get up because I, I like going too much I like going with my mates and I'm sure you know it's, it's the social side that keeps you going when, when the football's not been brilliant yeah but um, I wouldn't consider giving it up but uh at the same time, I've definitely had one eye more on the meeting my mates than
1: on the football. Yeah, yeah, I hear for, you. For sure. I hear you. Well, look, um, uh, yeah, w- maybe we'll have an end-of-season round table jobby and see where we all uh, are and how we all feel about it. But for now, my beer is empty. I'm going to go get another one and try and fuck up my audio even more. Uh, Good luck with that. Thank you, thank you. You might
2: nope. need to come with some
1: kind of a misery warning. It wasn't too bad, was it? No, yeah. I think it was okay, apart from, apart from your whistling. You don't oh. need that. Thanks, man. All right. You're welcome. Thank you very much indeed to the man from East Lower. You can find him at East Lower on Twitter or on his blog, eastlower.co.uk. We're going to come back, talk stats, data, and more right after some news. Arsenal Football Club have today denied that their social media team is out of touch with fans. After the disappointing 3-3 draw with West Ham at the weekend, the official Twitter account tweeted, Balloons! Look at these balloons! Everybody loves balloons! Chairman Sir Chips Keswick said, ain't on Twitter, mate. It's for cans. The club also refused to comment on Dick Law's Snapchat ghoulie pictures.
0: Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenakin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC+. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy.
1: Welcome back. Now, unless you've been living under a rock or in a cave somewhere, you'll have noticed that stats and data are playing an increasing part of the football story for all of us, whether you've got the Stats Zone app on your uh, Android phone or your iPhone. uh, You can get all the stats during games and after games. Uh, There are people who are crunching data, and, of course, data and stats are being used by football clubs in various ways. So I'm delighted to welcome to the show to chat a bit about this, uh, Ted Knutson. Ted, you started or you founded the, the website stats bomb yeah that 's right so look let's uh, let 's talk about your your background a little bit and what it was that made you fill this particular niche because um, when it comes to football writing and football blogging, you know we found different niches that have filled uh, down the years, whether it 's a specific club or you look at what Michael Cox did in terms of tactics and zonal marking. What was it that that drove you towards this side of things
3: uh, for about a decade, I worked in professional gambling uh, i was um I had a lot of different roles at uh, PinnacleSports.com, which is like one of the big internet bookies. Right. And uh, I was lead trader for the English Premier League. And back at the end of 2012, I was diagnosed with cancer and I had to undergo surgery and then uh, chemo and I couldn't work. And at that point, I was like kind of going crazy because I, I, I get really bored and I didn't want to play any games, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, I needed something to take my mind off of it mm. and – I'd work on some some baseball modeling and followed the baseball stats movement for a decade at that point, and I was like, "Well, there's there's finally some information available on soccer," and I'd wanted to do it since uh since two thousand and five, I think, but right. we just never had public data to look at it. So I started poking around, and obviously, I'm an Arsenal fan, and I I started looking at them and Barcelona and the different leagues, and, and got got terrified
1: of, immediately by what you saw about Arsenal. I'm sure
3: sometimes <laughs> frustrated, but also like the the transfer stuff. I wanted to to take a look ahead of time at the rumors and say, you know. Mm. Does this, does this guy look like he's any good or does this guy look like you know, he's crap or whatever? Right. Uh, you you kind of get the, the, the sniffer dog out and, and see if it makes any sense. <laughs> so that's what I did. And um, yeah, at the time, there wasn't really anything that, that collected a lot of the stats writing. So I, I founded the site with, uh, with a guy named Ben Pugsley. Uh, and Colin Trainer came along sl- shortly afterwards. Those guys have had a little bit of jobs in and around football, uh, though I can't tell you where they work because it's mm. top secret.
1: Sure, no problem. But
3: then in 2014, uh, I was uh, at lunch with somebody, just meeting up and, and chatting, and the owner of Brentford um, came across the street and. We hit it off. We we disliked some of the same people in the gambling uh, gambling community, so that that's always a good thing. You're like, no, I really hate that guy. He's like, oh, that guy's a prick. <laughs> You're like, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, and he's like, hey, I want to hire you. And I'm like, I'm just here for lunch, but we should talk.
1: Okay, so well, let's just go back a little bit because what what you were looking at, for example, when you were saying, okay, here's a guy that's linked with Arsenal, here's a signing that's linked with Arsenal, you you sort of created your own models to look at what they were doing and how productively they were doing it. Is that that's more or less it?
3: Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the biggest hitting – I was looking back at the website today. One of the biggest hitting things that I wrote back uh, when I was public um, – I'm, again, public at the moment mm. – uh, was uh, looking at Arsenal forwards in, like, January of 2014. Okay. And, and on that list were guys like um, uh, Lacazette, uh, Julian Draxler when he played some central stuff, mm. uh, Boubacar who went to Porto. And, uh, and Antoine Griezmann, I thought, you know, like he's not directly a center forward, but he's been playing a lot of forward minutes. And obviously, as you saw last night on the Champions League, he's uh, he turned yeah. out to be pretty good. He's
1: quite good, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, OK, so look, you're doing those and you're putting those models together and you're doing them in a, a, a sort of an understandable way in graphic terms that people can see these various um, qualities or or attributes that players have and so they uh they fill out certain things that they're good at and then they're short on on other things so is that what did the guy from Brentford know that this is what you were doing
3: a little bit um one of the frustrations that they had had was you know they'd been to all these conferences and talked to all these people and everything's the same right you could do it like Udinese do have tons of scouts everywhere you just have to do it better or do it bigger or do it this way you're like man yeah you know, the, it's little old Brentford, or, and, and they had just bought Michelin at the time. Like, they can't do it bigger and better. That's, that's basically impossible for their budget. Um, but um, he had worked in gambling for a long time and, and has, a I think, a degree from Oxford in, in maths or something. So, like, the way that I was approaching it seemed really interesting.
1: So, what was your remit there? Was it to assess players that were on lists that they were interested in and see if they fit within what the manager wanted or what the team was lacking?
3: I kind of had a, a, a it was a it was a big unformed job that I, I I kind of filled out myself to some extent. Half of it was recruitment, so like that, or you know, you get a name from an agent, you get a name from an ex-coach or an ex-player who says, "Hey, this guy's really good." Yeah, and you should take a look at him. And so we did that, and we turned through I don't know over a thousand players in a year based off of the stats. You're able to to do it much faster in that way. Basically, not finding the best players quickly, but usually. Sorting out the crap. Like there's so many bad players that get sent to clubs. And if you have to watch every one of those, it yeah. takes a long time. Yeah. Um, but occasionally you're like sifting for gold. You're panning there. And, and occasionally you're like, oh, wow, this guy might actually be really good. Let's take a look at him. Right. So that was half of my job. And okay. then like 25% of my job was sort of building better tools and metrics and finding uh, ways to analyze our own teams and opposition scouting. And then another 25% is literally just sort of research, better ways to play the game, how can we find competitive advantages, uh, you know, how can, we, how can we play better football, essentially, or maybe find coaches that p- play better football.
1: Right, so you're using the data to shape the way that a football team plays.
3: Yeah, potentially, or just give advice. Like right. That, that's really what I did. I, I didn't shape it. I, I, I said, hey, this might be a good idea.
1: <laughs> right. Can, can you give me an example of one of those?
3: Uh, shortly uh, And this actually segues into, into Arsenal's type stuff. Um, I was looking. I knew about Steve Bold and um, Arsenal's people talk very highly of Steve Bold, But it was kind of a thing of, you know, what does he do? You never know what the assistant coaches do unless you get, like, these big profiles. And most yeah. clubs don't want to talk about it. And obviously, we know that is a defender. And uh, and I was like, okay, well, what what changed? Like, you know, thinking that he might have come over and taken over the defense. Um, so it's really interesting. I, I cut the the data for the the 2011 2012 season, which is the last one before Bold was involved at all, mm. and then I was looking at this year and and the, and the past year, and you see their their defensive profile change a bit. It looks like they're doing a lot more sort of uh, deep block type stuff and a bit less pressing up the pitch. So you know they'll drop off, and you see teams. Uh, and you see the, the output in, in how teams shoot against them. So you see nowadays, you see a lot more shots from outside the box against Arsenal, but much less penetration and, and shots right on top of the goal. And that it's sort of a way of, of gaming the expected goals. If you force your opponent to consistently take worse shots from afar, even if they're taking um, you know, more shots overall, and I think technically it's about 20% more uh, per game this season – the the quality it, it dropped off tremendously so it's like you know 40% were shot on average and i don't know if maths is boring sure. but but at the end of the day what you're trying to do is say okay does this give a better chance to win consistently and the answer is probably yes it, it means that arsenal or you know i think that season they gave up something insane like 49 goals um this year they've they're on pace for maybe 40 depending on what the next couple of games go like right uh, well, but it could be as low as you know 35 36, who knows?
1: Yeah. I mean, it is interesting because when you talk about that sort of stuff and, and the way that that might be a deliberate strategy from the team, how much of it could also be you looking at that data and then applying something in retrospect to it that makes sense?
3: Oh, It certainly could be reading into it, but right. I, I also know people actually... It, at Arsenal. So sure. it, it, it's not just reading into it. Like you, you get some context around it. And okay. sometimes it's just like the doing the, the data stuff is a bit like a pirate treasure map. Like mm. sometimes you, you, you go searching for treasure and your, your ship, you know, crashes on the rocks. Sometimes you go and it's just literally a case of fish that was buried somewhere and then someone came back to it. But a lot of times it's like, oh, this is really interesting. Let's dig into it. It could be player wise. It could be funky stuff like, you know, what's this team doing that seems to make them a lot better than they used to be a couple of years ago?
1: So you talked about expected goals and uh, people who've watched Arsene Wenger's interviews this season, uh, the people who haven't just turned off <laughs> in frustration um, after our defence. Um, I don't know what uh, model you might apply to, uh, to the defence <laughs> over the course of this season. Probably like a broken action man or something. I don't know. But um, he, he has referenced expected goals. Can you explain just a little bit uh, to to me and maybe to listeners what expected goals are and how that might then influence the way that a manager, A, views his team, or B, sets his team up to play either offensively or defensively?
3: Okay. Um, So if if you take away the words expected goals, because that's slightly confusing, there are Mm. two other ways that you could talk about it. One of them is goal probability, uh, which also sounds like, you know, don't don't touch me, I'm math, I'm scary. Uh, The other one would be shot quality. You want to take higher quality shots. Right. And, and we know that um, distance has a big factor. So the further you are away from a goal, the harder it is to score. Easy, simple. Yeah. Um, also, the the wider you are, uh, the easier it is for keepers to make saves because there's less of the goal to hit um, or you have less to, to shoot at. Sure. So that's a big factor. Um, two other factors are, are headers versus feet. Headers are scored at about half the rate across the same distance or, as feet. Um, it's it's harder to hit a ball with your head. You know that? Sure. And then the last one is crosses. Crosses are fairly inefficient, and, and sh- even foot shots off of crosses are less likely to be goals than you know one that a guy controlled ahead of time and then shot.
1: So you mean like first-time finishes?
3: Um, yeah, pretty much. I, re- regardless of how you slice it, it's just a cross is much more complicated to hit because you have to redirect it from the side to go forward. Okay. So like, when you think about it in terms of how you play football, you're like, all right, that makes some sense. Um, and then when you crunch it across like thousands and thousands, I mean, we're probably at like a million shots in the whole database. Mm. You start to get the concept to say, okay, this shot from this location with these things attached to it, whether it's a cross or a completed dribble or a through ball, is this likely to go in the goal? Mm. Uh, one of Wenger's huge frustrations this year is that for the first time in a very long time, his all of his forwards, except for I think Giroud, are underperforming hugely in terms of their goal expectation. So. Th- Everyone would say if they took all of these shots another thousand times, they probably would have scored another fifteen goals this season okay, and obviously fifteen goals has a big impact in the in the final table and your, your ability to win games
1: sure it's a difficult one to kind of get your head around in a way because you're going, okay well, if you had another thousand times to take those shots or took another thousand shots, you'd score x amount more goals how do you how do you find the balance between okay this is this is what we know from this data, but this is human error or human frailty to a certain extent or it's outside absolutely- factors like pressure or the the importance or the moment in a game when it happens where it might be it might be just the pressure might be too much for a guy
3: yeah and and like it's it's very difficult to to put that in a model like a model is a snapshot of mm. reality but it's it's not correct because it doesn't have everything in it and it never will mm. but it. What we found is that by including things like this, you're able to get more correct data than you would just by having approximations and guesses. And you know, if you sometimes I watch a game live, especially in a stadium, and I'm like, you know, I don't think that we played that well that half. But like, you know, you get caught up in the moment or you don't see everything because you're sort of from afar. But then I go back and I look at it and like, wow, we actually had a couple of really good chances that I kind of forgot about. But Mm. you go back and you watch it and you see it. Um, so it's it's trying to gives you just a little more objective information. Now, Arsenal are able to recruit from all over the world, and they would want to find the best possible players. Like Elneny is is, is someone no one had looked at, and I'm I'm pretty connected to to a lot of uh, different scouting organizations, and like you know I'd never even heard of this guy, and that's that's telling you sort of how far afield they went. Arsenal have they they bought StatDNA. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, they have one of the best analytics groups in the world, um, and I'm not saying this, you know, just because I know the people. Like I respected them well before I ever met them. Um, they also have a pretty big head start. They have their own uh, proprietary data that they that they collect, and so they're doing more. And if you look at who Arsenal have bought, like their transfers are pretty good. the The question is always, you know, how much does Vinger control? Could they potentially have better tactical elements, or could they have slightly better training? Um, you know, and and that's. That's not really for me to say, but if you look at the, the stuff we know happens from the analytics side, you can say the transfers actually we bought have been pretty good. And then, you know, what happens behind the scenes, you never quite know. Yeah, like how- of course.
1: And it's it's not necessarily, I think people would have issues with the frequency uh, of the players that are bought or perhaps not enough players being bought. But Arsenal yeah. are, you know, Arsenal are using stat DNA and using their own proprietary data and software to identify targets based on what so for example Arsene Wenger will say we need a midfielder who is tidy on the ball whose passing stats are x who can run all day long or whose you know stamina brings something different to the midfield go and find me those players in these leagues based on that information is that sort of where the way it would work
3: yeah that's that's probably what it is like he describes what he wants and then they quantify that into some sort of you know set of numbers that they're able to look up and and then there you go mm. and they what they probably then do is break it down into these are the top ten targets let's have scouting you know take a really close look at it yeah and and then like the scouting gets involved and then you know the best of those get um sent to the the coaches likely and <sighs>
1: how close are we i mean you did there was an article this week uh that you did with rafael Honigstein, and he's talking about pep guardiola shaking his head at, at bastian schweinsteiger because he took a couple of shots from distance um which uh, as you explained already that you shoot from distance you're less likely to score i mean it, it's self-evident in a way but uh, is that beginning to shape or is it now shaping the way that that coaches instruct their teams it's certainly shaping some
3: of them, and some of them, it's not like obvious uh, in that they don't say, hey, you have to take better shots all the time. Sometimes they're constructing training sessions where this is the goal, and, and you can't shoot from outside of it. So they're basically trying to find ways to penetrate inside the box. And if you look at Arsenal, they have a lot of really good movement inside the box, and that's something that's been of a Wenger uh, trademark for a really long time. Our, our defense often fluctuates, but usually our attack has been very good. And it, it's kind of funny there was a there was a stat that was quoted earlier this year, and it was quoted as a negative. Uh, Arsenal have the fewest goals from outside the box in the Premier League. That's by design. Like, mm. That's actually a good thing because they're not taking shots from outside the box, and so they don't score those. Um, you know, if they scored a couple more, that it might be useful, obviously. But it'd be nice if you know Ramsey and Alexis and Ozil and Theo hadn't all just crapped themselves when they're in the box sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that was the biggest possible frustration with Gervinho. Uh, that, that guy was able to get free in the box so many times, and he was so bad at finishing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he was a frustrating player, all right. I'm going to move on very swiftly from that before I start <laughs> before I start having flashbacks. In uh, the piece he did with Honigstein, there's a very interesting uh, stat uh, about Obama Yang, who uh, I know that you, a couple of years ago, were talking about him as a guy who could potentially and I think that's a really important word, is potentially that the numbers showed that he could be a guy to who, who could develop into something a bit special or a bit different. Um, and that, that has been the case, but even this season under a new manager at Dortmund, um, he's become more effective again. Can you just sort of explain why that is?
3: So back in, I think, 13 2013 the summer of uh, I started poking around the data and I, I, I saw this French kid um, who I, I he's really fast and he scored a lot of goals in France and you're like all right well you know it, the, the thing with players, uh, for most clubs anyway, except for the super rich, is that you know, you're looking for value. And Wenger has always looked for value as well. Uh, so you're like, OK, this guy looks like he could potentially be quite good. You never know how they're going to transition in leagues and does he fit your particular style, et cetera. Mm. But you know, I think they paid maybe €13 million Euros for him. So at that point, you're like, well, maybe we, we just roll the dice. Um, you know, the the Dortmund people would say that when he came there initially, he was a, he was a wide forward. And part of that was because they had Lewandowski. And obviously, you're not going to just displace Lewandowski. But he did fine as a wide forward. And then last year um, he got moved central. Uh, I think th- through part of half of the year anyway, and he was doing okay but not great. And then so full disclosure: um, the owner of Brentford uh, talked to Thomas Tuchel a lot while he was on his essentially sabbatical year. Right. And and some of the concepts that I talk about, um, you know, went directly to Tuchel. So you see that. Um, basically Lewandowski looks like a center forward. He gets a ton of shots centrally. Aubameyang looks very different. He looked like he got a lot of through balls. he he get things with his pace, but he wasn't necessarily getting all of these great chances in the center of the box, which meant that he wasn't scoring potentially as many goals as he could have. Under Tuchel, you just see completely change and he's always in the center of the box and he gets a ton of, of shots and he looks like one of the best center forwards in the world. And part of that's a tactical adjustment. Part of it's probably a coaching adjustment. And mm. part of it might just be him getting more used to playing centrally in, in Bundesliga. It, it you're never going to have all the information. You're just trying to make slightly better decisions as you go. Like
1: a whole new world. Sometimes it's difficult, isn't it? Because uh, people will say, well, stats don't tell you everything, uh, but nobody ever claims that they did. And I have to say that, you know, I'm with you sometimes when I'm watching a game and then I have to go back and I have to do something like player ratings and you, you've you got a perception in your mind of how a player has played or... What sticks in your mind perhaps are the three passes that didn't go to where they were gonna go, but the fifty two other passes that went exactly where they were gonna go uh you You forget about those and you see, well he's only misplaced three or four passes in the in the entire game, so having the stats afterwards with a bit of distance and with a bit of hindsight it does it does sort of change your perception of what you've seen or your first impression of it anyway.
3: Yeah, I was. So Mezzodozle is the classic example, right? Like, he played on, on some Arsenal teams that didn't necessarily have the best forwards early on. Yeah. And, and that's you know, still the
1: case, by the way.
3: Well, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, I really like Welbeck. Um, uh, uh, but. So well,
1: what, do, what do the numbers tell you about Welbeck?
3: So Welbeck's very interesting um, in, in that, like, he's had a couple of up and down years. And, and last year, you would have looked at him and said, man, he's incredibly unlucky. Uh, but like everybody else looked at him and said he's been terrible which is both of these things are true right <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of times we we found that you know getting in position to to have the shot even if you don't always score it means that you're actually you know you're doing the right thing right. so so welbs being there you know you look at him you're like he's got all of the the tools sometimes he just has to turn it on and he had a couple of years at united where you saw it start to click and i think now he's he's just fine um, and I, I like him a lot, but also, you know, when he's setting up forwards that aren't scoring, he's not getting assists, and it's not very impressive. But like, he's still doing his job, and that's a great thing because he's one of the very few people in the world that are capable of doing these things. So, like, you know, it's 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 the stats that that give us indicators. It's not just goals and assists. It's about setting up shots. It's about you know making tackles like Kokolan does. Yeah, uh, every player has has limitations to them. There are very few Lionel Messi and, and Ronaldo's. But, you know, when you combine them together, uh, hopefully with some objective information, you can build a better roster than, than you might otherwise.
1: Yeah, I think it's very interesting to look back at, at Ozil and chances created. And I know not every chance is a chance that somebody should score from because um, that that's not the way it works. But when you look at the amount of chances he has created and the amount of goals that have been scored from those chances, greater efficiency uh, from Arsenal's forwards would certainly have made a, a big difference this season. So...
3: Yeah, he'd probably be romping the assist record right now as opposed to just poised to break it. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. Anyway, listen, it's fascinating stuff, Ted. Thanks a million for for coming on. The website is statsbomb.com. Yep,
3: and uh, I'm a very long-time fan. Happy to be here. Thanks a lot for inviting me on.
1: Great stuff. Thanks, man. Bye. You can find Ted on Twitter at MixedNuts or MixedKnuts. It's mixed and then K-N-U-T-S. Uh, so follow him on there for uh, all the statsy goodness and bomby goodness or go to statsbomb.com and check out all the stuff that they're doing on there so um, Crystal Palace on Sunday don't have any team news yet uh, even though it's after 9 o'clock on Thursday night Um, my audio issues my trying to improve my life and trying to improve things ultimately for you not that I'm blaming you in any way I'm just saying that I was just trying to make it better for, for you guys um yeah, but anyway, I haven't been able to watch even any of Liverpool and Dortmund. I think uh, Dortmund are winning. It's half time at the moment. 2 0 to Dortmund. So it looks like they're going to go through, but uh, yeah. But we don't have anything on the team for Sunday. Who knows who will be fit or who won't be fit? All I know is that. Um, what do I know? I don't think I know anything. I'm just saying that 2 0 up against West Ham, and then, you know, so if we're 6 or 7 nil up against Palace on Sunday. I will start to relax and believe that this is a game that we can win. What it means in the grand scheme of things or in the course of our season remains to be seen, of course. Six games left, the four games that we were talking about with uh, the man from East Lower, that you should expect Arsenal to win. But what you should expect Arsenal to win and what they actually do um, are, are very often different things. Very often. Too often. Far too often. But look, we'll do it. It's Sunday. It's a game, it's four o'clock, and um, that's it. Nothing else to it. Just going to, like, have a weekend, I guess. Hope you have a nice weekend. Do nice things with nice people. Maybe in nice places. I don't know. And James and I will be here on Monday. We will have an Arscast Extra for you on Monday when we look back at whatever the hell happens against uh, Crystal Palace and Adi and all that kind of crack. So join us then. Please do join us then. Uh, it's a pleasure, as always, to have you along. I'll catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. Hello, one two one two one two can you hear me? Hello? Hello one two one two hello hello fuck fuck Why did I do this? Hello one two one two Hello hello hello
0: No fucking
1: Hello one, two. Oh,
0: fuck. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy.